Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Scott Duda, leader of Cherry Beckert's professional services industry. Today, we're discussing using digital transformation within law firms to create operational efficiencies. This is the second in our series on optimizing performance in legal firms. With me today is Jim Holman, Director of Strategy and Process within our Digital Advisory Group. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Scott. So we're here today to sort of build off of the discussion we had earlier and talk about optimizing operations uh, now within a law firm. How do digital, how do law firms use digital transformation to really optimize their operations? So can you talk to us a little bit about historical resistance or reluctance for firms to focus on operational improvements? Yeah, so law firms uh, traditionally and even now are, have always been focused on serving their clients and constituents and really making change and a difference. That type of vision or passion doesn't always translate into understanding and optimizing the current state of operations. It's frankly not well understood or very well defined because it's never been a priority from a cultural perspective. The law practice industry, if you will, has always relied on institutional or tribal knowledge. It's basically uh, essentially considering that workflow and process is always in flux and it's not worth pinning it down because it will just change. And to be honest, it's never been very interesting if you look at the personalities that drive law firm uh, business is frankly, it's boring. There's never really been uh, a process that's been interesting enough to back uh, to document on the back end. So interesting. Uh, I've heard the the CPA profession referred to as boring occasionally as well. So uh, some things that we share in common. So Jim, how does this lack of process lead to increased risk or decreased profitability for law firms? Yeah, that's a good question. It's something that comes up uh, not just within uh, law firm constituents, but also professional services, um, uh, state and local government, accounting. Uh, but with law firms specifically, you've got divergent processes by partner. Essentially, all of those other industries have it as well. It's the key stakeholders in an organization have divergent approaches and philosophies that they feel add value to not just it's more comfortable for them, but they feel it increases the quality of their work. When you have partners within a law firm, each that do it differently, there's a, a general lack of collaboration to essentially determine what is a best practice because they feel that that's the art of law is, is diminished somehow by how clients are billed. And that's not the case. The lack of consistency that we see really leads to uh, named or dedicated resources. Essentially, you'll have a particular administrator within uh, a firm is attached to a particular partner because they just know. And that makes it really difficult for practices to optimize their uh, the processes simply because it's very different on a case-by-case -case basis. So what you see when that happens, this lack of process consistency, is uh, silos. We've all heard about these bunkers, uh, little groups and clusters of individuals that do things a specific way. So within one law firm, that leads to inefficiencies. Those inefficiencies lead to higher internal processing costs, putting financial constraints uh, against law firms. 
it increases errors, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And all of those things basically say it takes longer in a duration perspective to accomplish the same result, and it takes more internal time. And that's, we would argue that to the partner, it does not, that uniqueness in how partners like things processed does not drive increased quality of output. When we talked about errors, we're not just saying um, it, errors within billing, but errors within the client experience. When we see this, what we realize is that the simple uh, invoicing mistakes increase our financial risk and can slow down the payment from our, from our constituents and clients. It also reduces client satisfaction. And then finally, this lack of consistency also appears with low levels of process documentation. So what that means is that uh, we don't have our processes written down because of that high variability. And when we onboard, when we hire new talent, which of the different divergent process streams do we train them in? All, none. It's a very difficult way to improve the process, improve and optimize operations when everyone does it differently. So a couple of things really stood out for me there. Um, you know, when you talk about increased risk, uh, depending upon which way you do things, uh, if you're not consistent in your process, it sounds to me very similar to some of the discussions we had, you know, uh, with Sarbanes-Oxley rolling out and the PCAOB requirements on an audit side, you know, what really is a best practice and why are you doing certain things under one set of rules and then something different on another? And it, it leads to some contradictions that are, are tough to, to answer sometimes. And then I know on the decreased profitability, uh, one of the examples that you used is on the billing process. And absolutely, you know, most every professional service firm that we uh, engage with, they have um, an inconsistent billing process that does lead to, you know, time is money uh, with all the professional services firms. And when you're doing things 16 different ways because you have 16 different partners, um, you know, that's obviously going to bring inefficiencies into the, the uh, process. So those are the types of things that you're talking about streamlining through a digital that's transformation. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So so the two areas of risk that you talked about, just to follow up there, is we talked about financial risk. So obviously the financial risk, especially with um, a law firm, which has a closer set of say billing and payment slowness that say it's closer to a medical practice actually than it is to an accounting firm, which tends to have a more regular cash flow. So law firms are, have much higher exposure on financial risk due to people not paying their bills on time. Um, but not just financial risk are we talking about here by these siloed processes. We're also talking about organizational or operational risks. For example, what if within a law practice, different partners have different ways they handle paperwork, documentation? What if, um, for example, uh, we've got uh, uh, personal identifiable information or potentially HIPAA data sent over unsecured transmission methods because mm -hmm. the partner's comfortable with email rather than using, say, or even investigating secure portals. We can't have in some of these areas where there's compliance concerns, uh, regulatory constraints. We can't have a law firm, uh, subject matter experts or leaders, partners doing it their own way. So there's financial risk and operational risk that needs to be taken into consideration by having 
essentially as few uh, unique processes as possible driving towards best practices, we can reduce our financial risk and our operational risk. So we've talked about some of the challenges, some of the places where law firms may be hesitant to have already engaged in digital transformation. What are some of the places that they are typically investing in technology and how are those improving their current efficiencies? Right. The the primary areas where they've been spending their technology have really been it's it's a piecemeal operation. It's really been forced upon them because law firms tend to be investment tactical with regards to technology. And what I mean by that is that it will be status quo at a law firm with regards to what technology that they're investigating uh, until something happens that will drive a critical need will appear and that will drive really a knee-jerk response. It could be a specific client that requires a certain piece of technology. It could be that they have a, a partner, say a, a PMO or a staffing agency that requires transactions be processed a certain way. So they'll wait till the last possible moment and then do the minimum amount of research to continue the status quo. So what happens is that you end up with a patchwork quilt of different pieces of technology, none of which was related strategically. There's no cohesive strategy. There tends to be low levels of automation, low levels of integration. And when it gets involved into non-law firm or legal technology, it's very much a follow the herd approach. So you'll see a typical law firm, a mid-sized law firm, may have 12 to 16 different non-integrated, non-related pieces of technology. In some cases, you'll even see multiple pieces of technology that basically does the same thing. So we talked about process divergence uh, in a previous question. Uh, this leads to subject matter experts in the specific platform that's actually a bit redundant compared to other pieces of tech. That leads to what did we talk about before, which is uh, inefficiencies, errors, increased time. Uh, that particular tactical approach with technology also leads to say double entry or triple entry in some cases. And then heaven forbid that we actually have to undergo a client audit of our processes and practices. Um, it's a pretty messy uh, environment with regards to different pieces of technology because they're not really looking at it from a top down. So you, you mentioned the, the challenges across the size of the firm. Yes. Um, you know, we have clients, everything from a local law firm practice all the way to international firms. So are the, the firms that are doing work globally, are they the same in terms of the, these operational improvements? And, and how do they compare to, to firms that are functioning solely within the U.S.? Yeah, so what we're finding is that the U.S. Uh, legal practice market's a bit behind. Part of that is that they haven't been under uh, the financial constraints that some of the international practices have been under. So, for example, uh, the pandemic uh, hit Europe and a lot of the international locations much harder than it did in the U.S. So that put uh, international firms primarily in Europe about six months to a year ahead with some of the uh, process optimizations that they've reviewed, simply because when you are losing a large amount of skilled labor, which we're all experiencing now, it's not just in uh, with legal practices, but as skilled labor, the great resignation takes place. Uh, this has happened in Europe a year ago. 
And these are things that we can learn a little bit in the states about what they're doing. If you look at uh, countries that have been extremely uh, hard hit by the pandemic, if you look at Spain and Portugal, for example, they started reinventing their processes. This is, we're just talking within legal. Um, early in 2020, right as the pandemic was just starting to hit, the UK legal market close behind, also Brexit influenced. So there was a study that was done with the top 20 law firms within the UK by revenue. They are all using some combination of outsourcing, paralegal support, contract lawyers, process mapping, process optimization and technology. You can't do any of those things without unifying what your processes are gonna be. How could you possibly outsource to contract attorneys uh, an approach that varies on a case-by-case -case basis. The only way those economies of scale come together, the only way that you can address those labor constraints is to understand what your current state is so that you can craft what that future state looks like. Then when you have that future state, you've mapped out your processes, you really have a, a blueprint for how, say, paralegal support centers, outsourcing, contract lawyers, um, and then frankly, what technology could you get to help you automate? All of those things come out of what they've learned in the UK and what they've learned in Europe um, over the past year. So then lastly, some opt um, operational processes can be broken down or say compartmentalized into smaller pieces. And then how can we resource those in better ways? Do we have processes that are not only institutional knowledge, too complex, but how can we break those into pieces and then figure out are there different ways to automate, uh, optimize, and leverage? You know, you really highlighted for me the amount of change that we've gone through uh, through the pandemic and how far we have come. Mm -hmm. I, I think about the um, acceptance of electronic signatures on contracts. I think about uh, electronic invoicing. I think about the changes for me as an auditor in dealing with electronic approvals as opposed to, you know, a written hard signature on a piece of paper and the number of our clients that went through that transformation and are continuing to go through that transformation and how we all learned to operate in that environment is so quickly when we made that transition. It's really interesting to think back that uh, some of these things that we think we take for granted now, we were really just sort of accepting 18 months ago, which is really something. And then you think about uh, the examples that you used with Europe being a year ahead of us, that's a big gap there that we need to close, the, the US firms need to close. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is law firms identifying uh, what's a value add, what's part of their mission versus what is supporting the mission by providing those backend uh, selling, technical, administrative research, those star expenses that keep the law firm running. Um, how can we separate uh, what we're actually doing with clients and, and furthering their cause in case in casework versus what's running the back end of the business. And it's okay to look at those cohesively. And you're exactly right. It's very similar to the change resistance, not just on technology, but on process uh, with regards to accounting firms and large audit practices. I mean, we run into this internally myself, uh, being the director of strategy and process is to look at our own processes within Cherry Beckert and how do we make sure that we're doing for our clients what, um, what we should be doing for ourselves. And in the law, in, in the law business, it's very similar. It's, there's been 
such a resistance to look at what you were talking about, for example, electronic signatures. But what's interesting is once legal gets on board, it's amazing how quickly the technology will advance. Right. So what are some of those areas of emerging technologies that law firms should consider as they continue to move through this journey to operational improvements and efficiencies? Yeah, there's some really interesting areas that uh, have come to light in the last five years or so. And now with uh, you know the uh, pandemic-related uh, grants and funding to go paperless, uh, to enable remote working, which would never have been done ever in a law firm. It would have always been one of those last bastions of you must come into the office. But if you look at some of the needs that all law firms have that have been partly pandemic spotlighted, but existed, frankly, before the pandemic, it was just something that we just chose to ignore, is things like uh, improved operational processes. What are those things that from the time that we uh, uh, win some new business to the time that we close out that uh, a certain project, uh, what does that look like from end to end? Um, what can we do uh, to increase our client satisfaction? So there's things, for example, um, how do we communicate with clients, not just electronic signatures, but in secure, uh, uh, secure messaging is one. Uh, how, do, how can clients reach out to us with confidential information over secure technology? And then how can we, how can we make sure that our billing is accurate? They're able to uh, pay and interact with us in a manner that makes sense for them. What can we do to reduce firm risk? We talked about uh, confidential information. Uh, we've talked about sharing uh, uh, documentation. Uh, and then also, we're also communicating with other partners, not just clients, sharing that same data. How can we make sure that contractually uh, we're permitted to share the information uh, that, we're, that we choose to share? We've talked a little bit about uh, some areas uh, with regards to administrative costs. If we can, uh, the, the true win-win is if we can optimize processes uh, within a law firm that increases the quality of their output, increases the speed and reduce their cost. That's really the sweet spot. The cost is always a four letter word with regards to industry uh, that chooses to uh, emphasize quality over back-end processing cost. So what can we do to make sure that we increase the quality, increase the speed, and reduce the cost? I think that's an area where law firms are definitely starting to see that cutting cost does not cut quality. Um, a moment ago, we talked about collaboration. So we have within the actual law firm itself, how can we communicate rapidly, quickly, succinctly, uh, securely, so that when we do, when we are outside of the office and we do have questions that need to be asked by someone that's inside the office, what can we do to exchange that information that helps us service our clients better and uh, also reduces cost, reduces time and increases security? Another need for most law firms is improving the ability to onboard and potentially outsource. So we talked about Europe and a lot of the international practices are ahead of us uh, on outsourcing. Some areas that uh, where we can improve, we've talked about uh, best practice or at least fewer iterations of processes. It's much easier to train and collaborate uh, within, within our team, within a law firm, if we have one way to do it. Once we get that one way to do it, we can choose to hire, we can choose to outsource. But 15 different approaches to the same set of transactions is not a way to do either one. So Jim, 
you've talked about some of the common needs. What are some of the tools available that firms should consider that would help them close that gap? Right. So the, the one of the biggest changes, I think, just in the past couple of years is we talked about the fragmented tactical patchwork quilt approach that's been done prior uh, with law firms is that you're starting to see some solutions that are in the mid-market, not just at the enterprise level, but for mid-sized practices, where it's a cohesive solution that includes all of the functionality uh, that, it, that it would address the concerns that we had just spoken about. So again, it's not like it used to be where you had uh, 12 different systems to accomplish all of, to address all of those needs, but you're starting to see solutions that cover things that are so important to a law firm, such as case management. Um, we talked about document management, and it's not just electronic signatures, but it's the secure retention uh, and uh, storage of, of client-sensitive uh, client-sensitive material. Things like billing and invoicing, uh, contact management, contract management within a solution is so important. Uh, the back-end accounting, uh, law firms are like every other business. They have accounts receivable and accounts payable. In some cases, they have actually assets uh, within the firm that needed to be tracked. Uh, Excel is not the place to do that. So calendaring and scheduling, it's uh, part of the resourcing constraint. How do we make sure that, uh, that court dates and other particular dates within uh, a particular project are addressed? And then how do we schedule those resources? Uh, task management, we talked about collaboration tools and messaging. How do we make sure that we're delegating the right way so that everybody has one set of orders? And we understand if we're a, a partner in a practice, when something is done and accomplished that we're waiting for, how do we get notified of things that are important to us without asking our team to send emails? Client portals are a, really, it's such a popular piece now within these solutions that it's uh, it's almost uh, you know, the Amazonization of the law firm customer experience. Our customers themselves have been trained by changes in technology within a law firm that this is what they expect. They expect to see the status of open items. They expect to see documents they need to sign. They expect to be able to pay online. They expect to be able to look at specific time reports and uh, any type of expense reports, expense management. All of those things are really critical and clients expect that in one place. Um, we've talked about online payments, but related to those things is time and expense tracking. Clients want to be able to see uh, what time and what expenses have been applied that they're paying for. All of that is can help us get paid quicker and it increases customer satisfaction, which can reduce client turnover and attrition. Thanks, Jim. This is a fantastic discussion. We appreciate everyone listening along. As always, our contact information is where you access the podcast or can always be found at cbh.com. We look forward to continuing our discussions in part three of the Digital trans Transformation Series, and please let us know how we can continue to be your guide forward. Thanks.